podcast for the 10th of February 2023 happy glorious beautiful delicious Friday oh lord knows we all need it Uh, I've got a lot of emails about posting the show early and uh, you know and maybe on occasions I should have done that in the past but like when I record it whenever I get around to recording I could post it It'd certainly be more relevant, but then again, no issue is completely done until I weigh in on it, so there's that. But in all seriousness, I wonder if maybe we'll do a poll next week or soon about, because I could record the show early in the afternoon. I could have it up by 1, 2 o'clock. Um, should it be that day? That would mean that it wouldn't be there at midnight, for you, but then you could wait and listen to it whenever you want. It's just a matter of it being as current as possible. So posting it earlier. I don't know. I'd be curious to know your thoughts. Anyway, the Week in Heaven review will be up as per usual at 12.01 a.m. Eastern Time tonight at patreon.com slash Podcast or derekhunter.locals.com. Please consider supporting the program. And along those lines, thank you to uh, Joe I just, you're too generous, and it, it, it always bothers me that people are very generous. I appreciate the hell out of it, but it makes me wildly uncomfortable because I just, I don't know, I feel like a beggar. I don't want to be a beggar, but I, even if it's a gift, I still feel like a beggar, and it's weird. But thank you. <laughs> I can't, it's incredibly helpful. Every Every little bit of it is incredibly helpful helpful you know he hooked me up through paypal and thank you joe and stop it please but um, thank you and anybody please you know feel free to but know that it makes me uncomfortable i need it it helps it helps i've got i've got to replace this equipment the computer and everything and it just but still feels weird Uh, i'd much rather just have like ten thousand of you go and join the weekend effing review thing so that you know i don't know it just I don't know how to explain it, but I am eternally grateful. And not being able to express that gratitude is not a sign of ingratitude. It's a sign of feeling weird. So thank you for that. All right. That's where I just make it even like first date, first kiss, lean in, rejected, awkward. Let us get on with the show. But there is a lot going on. We've got plenty of ground to cover. Fear not. There will not be a moment of boredom or even breath to be taken sit there and you go where do we start today where do we go and there's not one massive overriding story where everybody's going holy frank to nana what is going on in this world can you believe this but there are a lot of stories that are competing to be the top story i guess the big thing that shocked me last night was i'm up uh, i don't know probably playing Minecraft or something with Quinn. Bailey had mercifully fallen asleep early. She is notorious for going, being put to bed. She gets all the stories. I read them two or three of those little board books and then uh, perform them, really. yeah. And then they uh, go to sleep-ish. I go downstairs and I can finally get some work done. And in comes Bailey. 
I'm not tired. Like, oh, geez. So I have to stay up later than I otherwise. Like, sometimes midnight, 1 o'clock, this kid is, like, wide awake, bouncing off. I'm like, is she getting into her mom's coffee? What the hell? So last night she passed out. I guess it catches up to everybody. So that was nice. But um, I'm uh, playing Minecraft uh, with Quinn. And, uh, boy, boys and girls are very different. Even though I'm an old man now compared to a five-year-old. When I play Barbies with my daughter, it is all uh, crime. They're criminals. They're weirdos. They're just, I don't know. I'm just I'm playing like I'm playing GI Joes with my friends or even myself as a kid, whereas she just wants to have a picnic. That's like that's it. So she plays Minecraft, and I'm ready to go out and punch all these villagers and start fires and put lava everywhere. And my and Quinn is like, I made a kitchen and I made a bed, and here's the bathroom, and it's a very elaborate bathroom with a, a what serves as a toilet, a sink, a tub, and everything. I'm like, okay, yeah, but when do we go to war? When do we start bombing the other people? And she's she's quite content to like stand there and have a conversation about what kind of seeds to plant and eat bread. And I'm like, okay, the digital world, carbs don't matter. Let's just stand here and eat bread. Anyway, doing that, and I see on the Twitter machine, James O'Keefe is trending. Now, James O'Keefe trends from time to time. That's sort of what he just does. It's in his job description. Then I see that it was Maggie Haberman of the New York Times who was tweeting about it. I'm like, okay, what's you never know. Something something horrible could happen. Something, you know, life happens. It doesn't have to be nefarious. It could just be anything happening. And I see that James O'Keefe has been suspended with pay from Project Veritas. Now, as far as I was concerned, and as far as I'm concerned now. James O'Keefe is Project Veritas. It isn't a matter of, you know, well, he's in a very important person in Project... No, he is Project Veritas. Every bit as much as Vinny Chase was Queens Boulevard. It's a deep dive honorage reference for anybody playing the home game. But it is, uh, like, what? So I read part, I read the story in uh, The New Yorker, and they're very vague about why it was that James O'Keefe had been suspended or uh, suspended with pay, which, I mean, if you're going to get suspended, if you've got to get suspended, that's exactly how you want to be suspended, right? Isn't it? But it is uh, curious. I don't know why. I still don't really know why. So it could be all kinds of... Uh, possibilities. I don't want to get out over my skis, but I want to point out that it is, it's happening. And James is a very, I don't know James. James was around when uh, Andrew Breitbart was alive, but James wasn't in my circle of people. He wasn't in Washington, D.C. at the time, I don't think. I knew Hannah, the girl who uh, played the prostitute and apparently came up with the idea uh, for the acorn videos. I knew her. She played, she was, I don't remember where she was an intern, but she, she's a good softball player. I recruited her to play on the heritage foundation softball team. And uh, a week before the, the big government launched little inside baseball, a week before the big government site launched with the first acorn video out of Baltimore, 
We were playing softball on the mall. We had a game every week. And Hannah Giles is on second base. And I think my friend Garrett, I think it was Garrett, was up. And he lines one up the middle. The solid line drive. College, uh, Garrett played college baseball. So he, he knew how to hit the ball. He roped this thing. And it went right at Hannah and clocked her right off the forehead. Right off, just bonk, bonk. Um, so the week before the story broke, they almost broke the story, if you will, but she was all right. The front of the head, thankfully, is, uh, very solid. I got hit with a softball once when I was a kid there, when I was riding my bike. So luckily there was nothing to damage in me. And, uh, by the time that Hannah started doing media, the swelling had all gone down and the bruising was gone. So although she was playing a prostitute in the videos, it might've helped with the role play. But with James O'Keefe being suspended from Project Veritas, Project Veritas is still doing great work. Many organizations that did great work in the past have faded away. Project Veritas is still going strong. Part of that reason, I'd say even the most, uh, the largest part of that reason is that James O'Keefe's undivided attention is at Project Veritas. Is he controversial? Of course he is. Anybody who ticks off the left is controversial is he uh, has he caused himself some problems sometimes from time to time of course he has that's the you know you kind of want that you'd prefer not to have it but when pursuing a story you want somebody you know in theory you want somebody willing to do anything to get the story you don't want them to go too far the willing to do anything to the story is obviously up to a limit. You don't pay people. You don't threaten people. You don't do... There are limits in that. So he has gotten into trouble, not that he was paying people or threatening people, but in other things he did. You can you probably know the stories, and I'm not going to get into it. It's not important here because that's what happens when you do journalism. It's weird that it's become an anomaly these days because nobody else is really doing any journalism on the right or the left there used to be times when you'd go out and dig up stories and cultivate sources and etc etc and now it's straight up uh, hey i've got something for you like oh okay and then that's it your stories come walking in the front door they come in your email they've come because you're friendly with somebody and they or their boss or whoever wants the story out there knows that they can go to this friendly source and get their story framed in a way that they want it. I'll tell you, this is going to go the way of the Dodo too, by the way, because you don't need to worry about finding a friendly source to break your story anymore. You barely do. That's dying. It's You have a friendly source. It's they're going to frame the story. You've got the one side and the other side. And whichever side you're on has your back no matter what. And the other side will attack you. If they think that the story is worth acknowledging at all, they'll use it as an attack. But the audiences are so so divided, so bifurcated. So there's such a giant wall. Who says walls don't work? There's such a giant wall in there separating the two sides of news that you could likely never hear of something. You could likely never hear of a story if you don't go in. This is why I say peek over that wall every once in a while. 
look over that wall and see what's going on. Just because it's not reported by whatever outlet you watch doesn't mean it's not happening. And just because it is reported obsessively by whatever news you watch doesn't mean it matters in the grand scheme of things. So peek over that wall. But James O'Keefe is a guy who peeked over that wall or under the, the tent or whatever. Why he's been suspended or placed on administrative leave, I don't know. But I can't imagine, now the famous last words, I can't imagine Project Veritas, unless it's something horrible. But if it's just, this is the problem. I've known people who've started organizations. I've never been asked to serve on a board. It's been talked about a couple of times, but it never really, it never came to fruition. I didn't pursue it. These aren't, you know, let's going to have our annual meeting in Geneva or anything like that. Or your, your, your job is to travel the world every three months to have a meeting in an exotic locale. I'm not that kind of person. I don't know those kinds of people. But when you're putting together even a small nonprofit, you've you've got to have a a board of directors, and you got to trust those people on there. Because I've seen many many times people who founded organizations get booted from organizations because they've come in conflict with the board. And they're like, "Why in the hell are you? It's their organization. You realize the structure in which it's set up." It's not really their organization. Scott Rasmussen of Rasmussen Polling, Rasmussen, he he got the boot from his own. It's named after him. He's not associated with it anymore. He was ousted by the board because he disagreed where the board disagreed with him. That's why, like, you you want, I was told you put friends on the board. That's what you do. You only put friends on the board. Well, even friends sometimes, especially if they're in the industry, can have differing opinions. So I hope it all works out, whatever it is. If it's a scandal, I hope it's cleared up, whatever it is. Because James O'Keefe is one of the few people doing journalism out there with some content in their underpants, right? So another news, though, uh, John Fetterman is in the hospital, Senator Fetterman. He was feeling lightheaded, apparently. And if you watched him at the state of... it's almost cruel to put the camera on Fetterman, honestly. It's almost cruel to put the camera on Fetterman. He can't understand what's going on. And there he's there because he needs to be seen being there. But I promise you, given his condition and his inability to hear things and comprehend what he's hearing, and the fact that he spent the last year campaigning rather than doing rehab to try and recover from his stroke. He's sitting there in the Senate, in the House chamber, staring blankly ahead, regardless of what's happening. He's taking his applause cues from the people around, right? Democrats around him stand up. They poke him and go, all right, I'll stand up. I've got it. This is where I've got to clap. He can't understand the spoken word. It's not his fault, per se, but it is his reality. And there he was, staring blankly at the State of the Union like being forced to watch television in Czechoslovakian. If even that's a language in Czech. You you turn on the TV and all there is is some language. You have no idea what it is. But it's all that there is. The weather's terrible. It's late at night. Everything is closed and whatever. In your hotel, all they have is this thing. And so you're like, all right, there's no internet. There's nothing. 
Maybe I'll try and figure out what they're saying in this dubbed over episode of Friends. That was how John Fetterman sat there. I wish John Fetterman well, but the kind of stroke he had and the cause of it, that it was a blood clot apparently from his heart that broke off there and caused the stroke. From what I've heard, I have not done a deep dive into this, but his particular type of stroke has a uh, is it a recidivism rate is that I don't think that's the right word but it has a uh, a higher percentage of reoccurring than other types of strokes that's just what i've heard i hope that isn't what it is but this is the problem with people who put political ambitions ahead of physical well-being and you know at least lightheaded so most people, you stand up too fast, you go, whoa. I assume it lasted a little bit longer than that. And you can't really mess around when you've had a stroke. So I wish him well, but it is interesting to note that this is uh, one of those things and why I honestly didn't think that the people of Pennsylvania would be dumb enough to vote for him. Sorry, people of Pennsylvania. I know you're listening. Sorry about that, but I and you didn't if you're listening. But your neighbors did. And no matter how awful Dr. Oz is, don't you go, yeah, but at least he can communicate. That's the problem with electing somebody like this. Party loyalty, blindness, and uh, voting five weeks before an election when the only debate is one week before an election and hundreds of thousands of people voted before they'd ever heard the guy speak or knew if they could, if he could. That's kind of the problem. John Fetterman is the prime example of the problem with early voting. I don't know that Oz would have won otherwise, but this is especially a month and a half of early voting. Then again, you feel, can't feel bad for people. You get what you vote for. This is what they wanted. But we hope he recovers in any event. Shifting gears and talking about kids uh, this morning, my a friend of mine that, uh, oddly enough, we both grew up in Michigan. He grew up in western Michigan. I didn't. I grew up in eastern Michigan in Detroit. But I got to know him once I moved out to Washington, D.C., and then he moved back to Michigan to run for office. He was in the state house. Now he's in the state senate. Now he is the uh, minority leader in the Michigan state senate. Maybe, hopefully, someday he'll become governor of the state of Michigan, Eric Nesbitt. He's been on a talk. I've interviewed him on the show before. He uh, retweeting these things, and I see this one from State Senator Dania, Dania, I don't know, D-A-Y-N-A. Oh, good Lord. Polhanka, Polhanki, P-O-L-E-H-A-N-K-I, Polhanki. I'm just going to say it. It's probably not how it's pronounced. But she's on the floor of the Michigan Senate, and she says, my bill to end the government-mandated mass flunking of Michigan's third-grade students passed the Senate, waited years for this day, thanks to new majority for the people. Because Democrats now control the legislature in Michigan. And you go, to end government-mandated mass flunking. This is something that is relevant to everywhere you live. You see the news stories where there's, what, no no student in some most Baltimore schools that is proficient in the basics of math. 
And you go, well, then they must be failing everybody. And uh, don't, not so fast. Not so fast. So I did a little bit of research. I did a little looking into this because this impacts everybody. This is the whole country, ladies and gentlemen. This is poor education, bad education. Somewhere is bad education everywhere. So I found a couple of stories. First off, she's, well, here's details on what this state senator is talking about from uh, Bridge, Michigan. Lansing, Michigan, Dateline Lansing. The Michigan Senate voted Wednesday to dismantle a controversial law. Now, imagine a world where this is, where the word controversial applies to this. Uh, To dismantle a controversial law requiring students to repeat the third grade if they are behind in reading skills. Meaning if a kid can't read, they don't get promoted to fourth grade. By third grade, you should have, and we're not talking being able to read and perform Shakespeare, but reading comprehension. By third grade, right now, Quinn, five years old, has reading, she's way smarter than I am now. She's better at reading than I am now. And uh, it's amazing. And she's five years old and she's homeschooled. But to sit there and say you can't fail kids just because they can't read. I get it. I get it. You don't want to hold kids back for the failures of adults. Because make no mistake, these are the failures of adults. The teachers, every one of those kids has the ability to read. They are not stupid. But every one of those kids has been failed by adults who haven't bothered to teach them, haven't put the time in, haven't done whatever is necessary. Now, I get it. This is why also you need AP courses and you need uh, slower courses. Is that the politically correct way of saying it? I guess I can say it because I was in those courses in seventh grade. But you need those things. So you do not slow down the advancement of other children. You also need to get a handle on the border situation because if you put a whole bunch of English as a second language or maybe even English as a potential eventual language kids in a school, then guess what happens? The teachers have to spend an awful lot of time and resources trying to communicate with them in a language they don't understand and maybe the teachers only sort of understand. And oh, by the way, the kids flooding across the southern border, the illegal aliens, they're not migrants. And I was watching Tucker last night. He's still referring to them as migrants. I've texted him before. They're not migrants. Good point. And then you do it again because I assume Fox orders everybody to call them migrants. But you've got to slow down the learning of everybody to cater to the slowest in the class. And the slowest in the class oftentimes are the kids who don't speak the language for obvious reasons. This is why you need, I don't know, to stop them from coming in. If you can't make up a separate school for English intensive learning, because you can't, that's the thing. You get all these illegal aliens coming into the country, and what do Democrats do? They say, well, you you got to teach them. Okay, you got to teach them. How about we do, mm, I don't know, six months of massive English immersion 
so that they can learn to communicate in the language of this country. And then we put them into the schools. You know, how about we do that? No, you can't do that. Why can't you do that? Why, that's assimilation. That's cultural appropriation. That's cultural genocide. Whatever it is, they have problems with this. So you, you've got to keep them, you've got to treat them like they can understand English, which is wildly stupid, but also cater to them because they can't understand English. And you go, well, how do you do that? The only way to do that is to slow down the advancement of everybody else. And quite frankly, there are some kids who learn much faster, much better than other kids. And so you need to slow them down significantly. And the kids who are in the middle are the ones who really get screwed because many of them fall into the, they lose interest. They're not being talked to. They get ignored. And so they fall into the category of kids who don't read, who don't learn. Some of it is the fault of teachers. Most of it is the fault of teachers, unions, and Democrats. Actually, all of it is the, well, the illegal aliens bear some responsibility. But even in places where illegal aliens are not overrunning the school districts, this is a huge problem. There are some illegal aliens in the schools in Baltimore, but not enough to really overwhelm the system to the point that no one can do basic math. And there are and I'll get to Detroit in a second, disturbing statistics out of there. There are illegal aliens in Detroit as well, but they're not. the Democrats aren't really dispersing illegal aliens to places where they have strongholds. They're putting some in there. They're putting them in places where Republicans had a stronghold. Why? Because when they become future voters, if Democrats have their way, they're already strategically placed to beat. That way you don't need as many to beat Republican politicians. Anyway, in a vote, 22 to 16, senators moved to repeal requirements that third graders who've fallen a year or more behind on the state standards for reading comprehension be held back instead of advancing to the fourth grade. The read or flunk provision approved as part of a 2016 law signed by former Governor Rick Snyder aimed at assisting struggling teachers and improving accountability in schools. Those two things sound pretty good, do they not? But no, not for Democrats. Democrats and education advocates have long argued the retention requirement should be tossed, pointing to studies claiming doing so hurts students psychologically, disproportionately impacted low-income and minority students, and doesn't work. Now, don't you love that? And it doesn't work. It, it disproportionately impacts poor and minority students. Poor and minority students are in districts generally where, it, like in Baltimore, like in Detroit, like in New York, Chicago, they're spending on God, Washington, D.C., they're spending almost $30,000 per pupil in Washington, D.C. Most of it goes to administration. And the fat cats and the connected people are getting rich and the kids are getting screwed. It's the same everywhere Democrats have control. So it's not a matter of money. The poor districts get money shoveled into it from the state all across this country. But the results are crap. And the results are crap because of teachers unions. Oh, no, it's just psychologically disproportionately impact. Shouldn't they be saying we need to improve the quality of education? in these districts rather than we need to get rid of any consequences 
or anything that points out the failings of the education establishment in these Democrat strongholds, because this is all Democrats. Repealing the provision was named a top priority by legislative Democrats after they won majorities in both legislative chambers last fall. This is their top priority. They can't have their biggest donor, the teachers' unions, being exposed as harboring and protecting awful teachers who can't do the job. There are plenty of teachers who are good and can do the job, but there are plenty who don't. So what am I talking about here? I did a little bit of research this morning, came across this story from Capcon, Michigan Capital Confidential. Detroit Public Schools Community District has not held back any third graders under a new state law that says children must be able to, this is from 2021, that says children must be able to read before advancing to fourth grade. The law came into effect for the 2020-2021 school year, and it has been opposed by the Detroit District as well as the Michigan Department of Education, Democrats. The law contains many exceptions to the policy, allowing Detroit to not retain any third graders based on the new law for the just-completed school year. Detroit's district held back 38 of its 3,973 third-grade students in the 1920 school year, according to the state of Michigan, but none due to the new law, which was waived in 2019-2020 due to the coronavirus. You want to talk about how screwed up this next generation is going to be? There you go. Detroit schools released a statement, quote, the district does not believe that a single standardized test score should be the sole determinant factor of third graders being retained. Therefore, though through, though, uh, through the law, we used all available exemptions to prevent that from occurring. Students in third grade were only retained if families and their teachers felt that retention was in the best interest of the students. Test scores were not used to make third, make third grade retention final decision. Now, the, the standardized test measures reading comprehension. Reading comprehension. No, I know. There's no standardized tests. They're all demonized. They're horrible. They're racist. They're speciesist, whatever. The teachers' unions hate standardized tests, but if the standardized tests measured what people need to learn in order to advance, in order to succeed in life, what's the problem? Well, the problem is you're exposing the union as being bad teachers. Well, here we go. Here's the money. In an English-language arch section of the MSTEP, a standardized state test administered to every public school child, in the 2018 2019, uh, in 2019, the most recent year available, 88% of the district's third grade students were less than proficient in reading. 88% of Detroit students basically couldn't read. Of the 3,917 third grade students tested, 2,856 were found to be less than proficient in the portion of the test that covers reading. Don't you love that? 88%. And Democrats look at this and go, the test is the problem. Let's not talk about the bad teachers. Let's not talk about the thing. Nope, we need to repeal this state law. Why? Because the state law exposed how bad the teachers union is, how bad the education system is in expressly and generationally controlled Democrat 
enclaves of the state. Tell me Democrats give a damn about kids? They want to slice body parts off of them because they made a rebellious declaration that's super trendy on social media right now. But they can't read. They can't tweet it themselves. They don't know what the hell is going on. But we're supposed to believe them when they say, well, I'm, uh, I'm now the opposite gender. Oh, all right. Can't make a decision on a, a multiple choice test for reading comprehension properly, but we can absolutely take their word for it that they understand what's going on in uh, their body as they go into puberty or before. And uh, let's slice them and dice them. You want to talk about sick people? This is sick people this is the story's out of Michigan. This truth is happening everywhere. That's the problem. One of the things that Democrats don't ever admit to is that they really want to get rid of every standard that they can. Every standard that they can. And it's not just standards in education, standards of decency, societal standards, the civil society in general. They would love to rip it apart, tear it up, burn it down. That's what they want to do. That's what they seek to do. Part of that is you have to have a discontented population and uh, they're making one they're manufacturing one telling kids you're victims you're horrible the society's out to get you and by the way it's the very people who are telling these kids let's talk about slavery for the next six months of uh, in history class and keep you wildly ignorant of everything else that went on in the world and let's talk about how you're just not going to and you know raising look cops are hunting you down are not there it's the very same people telling them that that are making sure that they can't do basic math, can't, don't have basic reading comprehension skills, cannot communicate effectively with people. It's those very same people. Do you think that's an accident? That's not by accident. I'm not a big conspiracy theorist, not a big black helicopter guy, but when you look at it, what is the school focusing on? especially in Democrat-controlled areas. They're trying to infect everywhere. But in Democrat-controlled areas where people are poor, largely minority, they're focusing on the victimhood of it. Now, in places where, like uh, Montgomery County, Maryland, one of the richest counties in uh, the country, they're focusing on the same things just differently. You're not victims in Montgomery County. You're perps. You're perps, but they're not saying you personally have to pay reparations or whatever. Society has to pay reparations. They're not saying that you've got to give up your money, give up your stop. Don't go to school, whatever. Do something to level the playing field. They're not doing it. These are children of the rich in Bethesda and Chevy Chase and Potomac. These are kids of the rich, the rich liberals. They aren't holding back their kids. They're indoctrinating them with you're horrible people and uh, there are other people who are wildly put upon. But they're also throwing in the, but you're the only ones who can save them. The white savior complex is being indoctrinated into them as much as anything else. There is so-called redemption. You're the problem, but you're also the solution because the philosophy of liberalism is everybody else is just too damn stupid to be able to get their act together. They're too damn stupid to be able to take care of themselves. It is we elites 
who need to look out for them. And the generation of liberals who are currently doing that will get old, will age out of it, so they're creating more of their own to perpetuate the lie. I can't say perpetuate the myth. This is a lie. A myth is something that is not proven one way or the other. They're perpetuating the lie. So in Baltimore, they're teaching kids you can't get ahead. In Chevy Chase, in Potomac, they're teaching that uh, you guys are ahead and you need to make sure you take care of the basic necessities of the kids in Baltimore because they can't get ahead on their own. Meanwhile, the teachers are the ones who are screwing up the kids in Baltimore and the kids in Bethesda. It's weird because the kids in Bethesda and Potomac, they're learning to read. They're learning to write. Making, they're making sure the parents, the liberals, are making sure that's a priority. The other stuff is secondary. It's not to say it's not important to them. Boy, howdy, it's very important to them. But they know what to prioritize when it comes to their own kids. It's when it comes to those black and brown kids in other areas where their political allies completely control that they they flip it on their head. Actually, they don't even flip it on their head because that would imply that they prioritize victimhood over reading. It's victimhood first and progressive agenda first, and then it's reading and math. They never get to reading and math. They never get to reading and math. The Potomac, they get to both. They prioritize reading and math. But then they get to this country sucks and liberalism is the only way to go. Blah, blah, blah. They never get to the reading and math in Baltimore. And the politicians in Annapolis, the politicians in Lansing, the politicians in Sacramento, any state capital, you name it. They don't give a damn. They don't give a damn. To them, look, to a governor, their big city is just a constituent. Most of the people aren't from there. They've got a mayor to handle that. Mostly they got a mayor to blame. They don't want to get involved directly in their cities because then they can't get blamed for the things that are wrong there. But make no mistake, they're responsible because they refuse to do anything to change it. That makes them responsible. Anyway, this story, this story comes to me by way of the wife. She just told me about this, and I found it interesting as somebody who was a former waiter. Fox News. Remember the president of the United States running around? He's doing interviews now, and I could have gotten clips from his interviews with Judy Woodruff at PBS, but it's a, it's a safe interview. There's no point in talking. The only news sort of to come out of that interview was Joe Biden saying or implying that uh, he's had uh, classified documents rolling around his house since 1974. He's sworn into the Senate in 1973, in January of 1973. And you've had, you, you kind of implied that. Uh, you've been wildly reckless. I don't think he was on the Senate Intelligence Committee right out of the box. So then why in the hell would he have had those documents? But it doesn't matter. Joe doesn't know what he's talking about. And when he does, he lies. So we've heard it before. It's not really worth covering, but it is worth noting what they're doing. Joe Biden will tell you anything you want to hear. He's that sort of not just politician. We all know those sorts of politicians. He's that sort of person. We all sadly know those sorts of people, too. If you can, if you don't work with them, your best bet in life is to weed them out as quickly as you discover them, right? You want to keep your yard dandelion-free. 
You need to go and get the roots of the weed the second you see the first dandelion. Best if you can just spot it as a leaf. But if you spot that yellow flower in your sea of green, you get over there and you pull out the roots as best you can. If it turns to one of those little puffers that we all loved as kids going, blowing it, it's too late. You're going to have a bigger fight on your hands. Well, uh, Joe Biden during his State of the Union address, and actually during his entire presidency, has said what? I will not raise taxes on anybody making under $400,000 a year. Not one penny. I swear to God. No, that was a lie. A lot of the things that he's implemented and implementing and wants to implement further are taxes by another name, fees, user fees, etc., etc., it's all taxes. It doesn't matter. If you're driving through Baltimore and you're going to take the Harbor Tunnel, you are paying a fee to do that. Well, it's a tax. It's a tax. It goes to the government. It's not a private company. It goes to the government. So they can call it whatever they want. The effectiveness of it is, you know, you it's a tax. Anyway, Joe Biden is beefing up the IRS. Remember, he was going to beef up the IRS. He wants beef up the IRS to go after those millionaires and billionaires, those billionaire tax chiefs. I don't know why you need 88,000 IRS officials to go after maybe 100, 150 billionaires in the country, people who have that net worth, not not that income, but net worth. Uh, It was always a lie. It was always a lie. It was always going to be a lie. It's they're, I mean, they're Democrats. That's what they do. Well, I, I suspect they're never going to actually hire 88,000 IRS agents because I don't think there are that many people out there qualified um, to do the job or interested in doing the job or capable, educated, whatever, enough to do the job. It was mostly an accounting gimmick to say, oh, we're going to get a lot more revenue as they're spending a trillion and a half dollars in their Green New Deal boondoggle. They will try to hire some of them. They will. And they're coming after you. Make no mistake. Fox News, the Internal Revenue Service, proposed a revenue procedure this week to crack down on the service industry's reporting of tips. Now, if you've ever waited tables, you've had that, you have to declare your tips. Right? Whether you do or not is up to you. And I promise you that 95% or more of the people in the service industry, the people, the waiters and waitresses out there, they'll make, there's a certain number that you have to declare because you get paid less than minimum. I don't know what it is now, what the wait, the uh, waiter minimum wages, the waiting minimum wages. But it was significantly less than the actual minimum wage for, say, retail. But that was because you they justified it, the politicians and the employers justified it because you you can make three bucks an hour waiting tables, but you'll also you'll probably make another five, six bucks an hour, if not more, in tips. Well, I worked I waited tables in a mall. So um, you get good tips every once in a while, but a good tip was like twenty bucks. You mostly got stiffed in the mall or you got junk crap in the mall tips. But you made tips, and you were told you had to declare X number, and they just did it. They said, all right, you got to declare five bucks an hour in tips. 
And so you, that's what you did. I don't even think anybody actually counted their tips till they were done, and they certainly weren't thinking about what they were going to declare at the time. This is 30 years ago, so what the hell do I know or whatever. But now everybody knows that the system is not being gained because very few people sit down and actually declare all of their tips, right? You come to work with money in your pocket. You're shoving your tips in your pocket. You got to pay out the busboy and whatever. You got to spread some money to the cook, whatever. And you just lose track of what's going on. What did I have in my pocket before? What's there now? Et cetera, et cetera. It's not out of malice in most cases, but it can be. Well, that's not good enough. The Surface Industry Tip Compliance Agreement Program would be a voluntary tip reporting system in which the IRS and service industry companies cooperate, according to the announcement Monday. As part of the proposal, the IRS will give the public until early May to provide feedback on the program before implementing it. Quote, those 87,000 new IRS agents that you were promised would only target the rich, tweeted Michael P-A-L-I-C-Z, however you pronounce that, Federal Affairs Manager at Americans for Tax Reform. I used to have that job. They're coming after waitresses' tips now. According to the IRS, the program would seek to improve tip reporting compliance. See, it's never they're targeting people. They're just trying to, quote, and this is a quote from the IRS, quote, improve tip reporting compliance. Reduce administrative burdens and provide more transparency and certainty to taxpayers. Now, it's kind of funny because the people who are engaging in tax avoidance don't want any of those things. <laughs> but we're doing it for your own good. Oh, really? How come it affects? How come your own, my own good affects your bottom line in a positive way and mine in a negative way? Quote, this is not a proposal for auditing of servers, an IRS official told Fox News Digital. Yesterday's action was a proposal for comment, not a rule, based on over a decade of feedback from restaurants and other businesses seeking to increase flexibility for their overall tax compliance on tips. I love this. It's not a proposal for auditing. No, you're just going to... It's a proposal for the automatic declaration of tips now there were some days where when i was a server i'm sure that i was uh, declaring fewer tips than i actually made or what was required uh, you know I, where my tips exceeded what the minimum reporting was but I also know for a fact there were other days, days that it snowed, crappy weather. We, we were not in the food courts. We were not anywhere near the food court. It was a place called Olga's Kitchen, which is delicious, by the way. It still exists when we go back. to. I wish they had them out here. But when we go back to Michigan, uh, we have eaten at an Olga's. Their bread, I don't know what the hell they do. So good. It's like a pita that's not a pocket. Anyway, Olga's Kitchen. There were many more days when there were just very few customers. Very, very few customers. And so you ended up making less than you had to declare, the minimum you had to declare. Now, it is ridiculous that you have to declare a minimum. I think this is the acceptable thing. It's ridiculous. And that's what this is saying. It's sort of more codifying into rule, into law, that you have to declare this minimum. If anything, declare the maximum. If you don't trust people, why would you not trust people? Then prove 
it prove that they're lying to you but this is simply declaring that you made x amount whether you did or not and it's all in the name of making it easier making it better making it uh more friendly and and it's oh they're increased flexibility on the overall tax compliance is what they said mm. increased flexibility no they're flexing their muscle by digging their arm into servers' pockets. But don't worry, they're not going to raise taxes on anybody making less than $400,000 per year under any circumstances. They're just going to change the laws that make you pay more without actually increasing the rate, all in the name of flexibility and doing it for you. <laughs> oh yeah did you really believe that they were only going to raise taxes on people making over four hundred thousand dollars have they raised taxes on people making over four hundred thousand dollars do you think people making over four hundred thousand dollars a year are paying more now they're getting screwed they're getting concerned or do you think that their accountants have uh, banded together and the activist groups for these people, they're all lefties usually, by and large. They, they say, all right, we're going to do this, but we're also going to open this back door for you. You can put your money in a tax-free, you can live like a Kennedy, put your money in a tax-free trust that is passed on from generation to generation without you having to pay a dime in inheritance taxes while all members of your family rail about how the inheritance tax needs to exist in the name of fairness needs to screw over small farmers so that big corporate farming companies and chinese nationals and bill gates can scoop in when the patriarch or matriarch dies in a family farm and the only option to pay the death tax is to sell off the land and all the property because on paper you're worth 20 million dollars but your income every year is about forty five thousand dollars but because you own a tractor and you own land and whatever you're uh, you're subject to the death tax meanwhile the kennedys the gateses the obamas the bidens the you name it aren't as they insist that it is somehow just to force everybody to pay this yeah yeah, 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 yeah. That's how they are. That's how they are. If you don't think that's how the game is played, you have not been paying attention. So you got the IRS targeting waiters and waitresses, and you've got the Democrat Industrial Education Complex or Education Industrial Complex, however you do, targeting children. And you, uh, you've got the media targeting children. I want to read you this headline from the Associated Press. Montana Bill would let students misgender classmates. Read that again. Montana bill would let students misgender classmates. Helena, Montana. Montana schools would not be able to punish students who purposely misgender or dead name their transgender peers under a Republican-backed legislative proposal that opponents argue will increase bullying of children who are already struggling for acceptance. Tough. Toughen up, buttercup. But this idea, it would ban, it would not, it would let students misgender class. What the real headline should be is Montana bill forces 
I don't know, reality into schools in Montana. The party of science. You're misgendering. You know, uh, Billy is now Veronica, okay? And now Billy's Billy. Billy is a girl now. No, Billy is a boy. No, Billy is a girl because Billy declared that Billy's a girl. Well, Billy's parents are going through a divorce and Billy's had some emotional problems about it and other things. So let's not, no, 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 no. You've got to exactly declare this to be how it is. And if you dead name and you call Billy, you're going to get, they want, meaning Democrats in school districts in Montana, you think, well, Montana red. Not really. They've got uh, Democrat senators, always have. But that means that there was a push in various school districts to punish kids to punish kids, to discipline children for calling a boy a boy, for calling a girl a girl. No, they, the Democratic establishment wants to force children to participate in a lie, in a delusion, a societal-induced delusion that you can switch your gender and all you got to do is declare it. They'll do this everywhere. Democrats will, Democrats will do, this is, Democrats are saying, this is unnecessary, you don't need to do, this is very necessary. It's very necessary everywhere. It needs to be done preemptively because administratively through various left-wing school districts, this will become the law of the land without it actually becoming the law of the land. Children will be disciplined of it because of it, unless they are expressly forbidden from doing so. And then, even then, they'll find a way to do it. There's one thing leftists do is they'll scream, this is what democracy looks like. And then when our government in action acts through the constitutionally prescribed way, either state or local or federal, if they don't like it, they either sue or ignore it because they're evil, evil people. Honestly, that's the truth. All right, since we're talking about education, I want to play you this clip from Sarah Huckabee Sanders, governor of Arkansas. She's barely been in office and she's already affecting change. She announced the school choice measures in the state of Arkansas that, you know, there's not much that actually before this, (laughs) there was nothing that would make me move to Arkansas or make me even want to consider moving to Arkansas. This ain't going to be the thing that causes me to move. I'm not moving to Arkansas. But if I were to move somewhere, you go, Arkansas is not bad because, because, you know, as a parent, your first priority has to be your kids. And this sort of school choice, money going with the kids. So force, you know, people say, well, this is going to be a problem. This, the public schools, blah, blah, blah. What about the public school? What about the public schools? Here's a good idea. If the public schools stop sucking people will stop fleeing the public schools, right? <laughs> it's that that simple. You get rid of all the woke crap and you focus your energy on teaching and reading and writing and you know, you're not like Detroit or Baltimore where there's nobody anywhere who can pass any sort of standardized test. You can whine and complain about all you want about standardized tests. But if nobody's passing it, there's a problem. There's a big problem. All your whining and complaining are not, you know, you'd say, well, our test scores are artificially low. It's bias in the test. 
Uh, no test anywhere has 100% bias. None. Spare me that crap. Well, in Arkansas, they're taking it on. They're doing something about it. And God bless them for it. And it would be nice to live in a state where the priorities were not the teachers' unions and the political donations that they give to a political party, but the children themselves. The politicians don't have... They just You just hear in Maryland, you hear Westmore, we're going to throw more money at the schools. It's not money. If money solved the problem... The District of Columbia spends more money per pupil than any place else, really, on Earth. And many of the, uh, you know, rich elite Manhattan, Los Angeles, San Francisco private schools per pupil. And they still can't do a damn thing to teach kids. So you're going to throw more money at We've got now, we've got... Uh, Casinos for the children. We've got sports books for the children, for the education. And how's it going? Is our people, are children learning any better? No, they're not. So imagine if you had a governor who actually cared about that rather than cared about making sure he didn't get blamed for that. Well, that's the difference between Maryland and Westmore and Arkansas and Sarah Huckabee Sanders as she announced what she's doing. She's implementing this year after just being sworn in a month ago, not even a month ago. She's hit the ground running. But we can't forget our children first, and most important, our parents. As a mom, I will never allow our state to sideline our parents in students' education. That starts by ensuring parents have a choice to send their kid to the school that best meets their individual needs, no matter where they live and no matter what their income. Our new Education Freedom Account allows parents to enroll their kids in whatever school is most appropriate for their family, whether it be public, private, parochial, or homeschool. We're rolling out this program for our most at-risk families first and within three years, it'll be available to every family in Arkansas. The next three years, every family in Arkansas, the money goes with the kid. It starts off with the kids who are most screwed over by Democrats and goes up from there. Can you imagine that here? What different education choices would you have made for your kids? What different education choices would you make for your kids? I... I would. If, if the money went with... They spend a lot of money on, on kids. You could send them to the best private school that you can get your kids to. It can't just be, you know, I'm going to ship them off to 200 miles away or anything like that, but... There's no way a democratic state would ever consider this. What's amazing to me is they, they won't even consider it. Instead, you've got Democrats doing what? They're out there promising from Washington on down to get rid of charter schools, the evil scourge of charter schools. How can, there are two questions that that begs. How can these people claim to care about kids at all? And how is it that the people continue to elect these Democrats? Because what happens? You see this in Baltimore. You see this in 
pretty much ev- anywhere if you watch local news where a new chart it's been a while since democrats have been trying to keep charter schools from coming into existence for a long time now and been getting more successful at it but Whenever a new charter school is announced, what happens? They have a lottery system for entrance, right? And what is the local story? Parents camping out, sleeping overnight outside, oftentimes in crappy weather, to make sure that they get their kid's name in the hat. Not that they're getting in. It's always a lottery system to get in there. That's fair system. But the parents, make sh- they want to make sure that they get their kid's name in the hat to be drawn. It's not that these parents don't care. It's that the government limits their options. It's not by accident. The pro-choice side is only pro-choice on abortion. Nothing else. They happily let you, they'll pay you. They'll give you money to pay for the abortion. But if you have the kid and you want to do anything to improve the life of the kid or make sure that the kid gets an education, not indoctrination, that's screw you. You're on your own. There you have to act personally and be personally responsible. They always say, we're not going to take money out of public schools. You take If you let children go where the best education is, you'll be taking money out of public schools. It's a passive admission that... Nobody who cares about their kids would willingly allow their kids to stay in these Democrat-controlled public schools and these Democrat enclaves. There are good schools, yes, don't, I'm not going to argue with that. And there are great schools. We bought our house based on the schools. Most people do that. You move based on the schools. It's part of what being a parent is. Can you do your job from there? And can you afford it? And can you get to school? Yeah, okay. Check all those boxes, you're in. We could have bought a really big house in a really crummy school district if we wanted to. And in the middle of nowhere. It's not what we wanted. It was not what was best. Parents were not unique. None of us are unique. But the Democrats will not allow people out freely. You needed the Underground Railroad to escape Democrats during slavery. You need an Underground Railroad to get children out of the school system. <gasps> did I say it? Yeah, I did. It's true. They're never going to... I love it. You're taking money out of the public schools. Well, here's an idea. Improve the public schools. Make people want to keep their kids in them. See what happens. But if the money is tied to a student, then you're realistically just saying you just want the money. Because at $28,000 a head, 30 kids in a class, that's a good chunk of change. The teachers may be getting two of those, the funding for the kid, right? In Baltimore, somewhere in the neighborhood, the high 20000 low 30000 per student. We'll just call it, we'll call it uh, 28000 because I think that was the last number I saw. 28000 let's say 30 kids in a classroom. That's $840,000 worth of kids in that classroom. Teachers are not making that much. Teachers will say we're minus, we'll make it generous, minus $75,000. That leaves $765,000 in that classroom. 
Some of it goes to pay for the air conditioning when it works. Some of it goes to pay for the heat when it works. Every once in a while, every couple of years, they slap some paint up there. All of this, the desks that get destroyed and replaced, all this probably adds up to maybe over the course of a year, $100,000 for a classroom. Again, that still leaves well more than half a million dollars. You got to pay the administrators in the office and the janitor crew and whatever, okay? This is just one classroom in a building with, what, uh, 50, 100 classrooms? You begin to do that math, the numbers become mind-boggling. Yet you hear Democrats talk about, we need to pay teachers more. Joe Biden said that in his State of the Union address. We need to give teachers a raise. No group of human beings had more money thrown at them throughout all of human history as teachers' unions had thrown their way in so-called COVID relief bills under this administration. And the President of the United States is saying, it's time we give teachers a raise. <laughs> uh, tie it to accountability, and we might have something to talk about. What? No, you don't want that, do you? Can't have that. How about where the hell did that... $800 billion we just gave them go. More than a trillion, actually, in all of COVID. Where did that go? How about where are the results from that money? Can't ask those questions. It's probably some sort of istrophobic thing to do. But they're damned important questions that we need answers to. As we do wrap it up today, I want to play, since we've been on the theme of education most of the show, I want to play... <laughs> What the now this is the Australian government. This is the Australian government, but it's only a matter of time before it's here. Stephanie Copas Campbell. Show you what the priorities are. She is the new ambassador of gender equality. I'm not making it up. Hello, I'm Stephanie Copas Campbell, Australia's new ambassador for gender equality. I'm incredibly honored to take on this role as the lead international advocate for Australia's commitment to gender equality and the human rights of women and girls and persons of diverse gender identities. In this role, I'm committed to listening to those who are dedicated to promoting gender equality and learning about the perspectives and priorities in communities, in countries, in our region and globally. Promoting gender equality is the right thing to do, but it's also the smart thing to do. It is central to Australia's diplomatic, economic development and regional security, as well as our international engagement. I look forward to working with partners in Australia, in the Pacific, in Southeast Asia and globally to progress the Australian government's priorities to increase women's economic empowerment, women and girls' leadership and to end sexual and gender-based violence, to improve access to health and education services and progress the women, peace and security agenda. Progressives are progressives everywhere, first and foremost, and we really need to, you want an argument for homeschooling right there. This is government. This is their priority. When you say, Joe, gender equality, you thought, well, you know, equal pay and men and women being the same and, okay, being treated equally. That's not what they mean anymore. It's about gender diverse. It's about making you like the, the bill in Montana. You can't, you must refer to them in certain ways. You have to participate in the delusion. There's something we'll explore more in the future, maybe the next show, just because it, it's worth it. But I wanted to fit that in so you you know what's going on. It's over in Australia, but stupidity spreads like a cold on a plane. It'll be here soon. Just because it's not here yet doesn't mean you're safe. Anyway, that's enough for today. That's enough for this week. Well, it's not really enough for this week because the Week in Heaven Review will be up at patreon.com slash Podcast or derekhunter.locals.com. 
at 12.01 Eastern Standard Time. Or if you'd just like to, if you go, hey, you know what, five bucks a month, that's pretty steep. I got to overpay for coffee with that money. If you go, I want to try it before I buy it, you can email me, DerekAllenHunter at gmail.com. Put the W-I-F-R in the subject line, W-I-F-R, Week in and Review. And there and say, and that's it. You don't even have to say anything in the body, although you can. And I will respond, and I'll send you a, 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 a low bitrate version. We won't really be able to notice the difference, but it's just the size of the file will be smaller that I can attach it to an email, and you can you can try it before you buy it. I think you'll like it. All right, that is it. I appreciate you listening. Don't forget to go to those websites and enter the contest. The drawing will be held on Sunday. And the winner announced on Monday. So good luck to everybody. And uh, have an awesome freaking weekend. Thanks for listening.